Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, it's Tuesday. That means that Therapist Lisa is here. Hello, Therapist Lisa. Happy Tuesday. And Pastor Morlin from Denver Christian Bible Church. Hello, Pastor. Hello. All right, so you know I'm so excited because Hope over spring break couldn't stop talking about how she couldn't wait to get back <laughs> home to church to put Jesus in her heart. Amen. And so you know when you did the call to the altar, Pastor Moreland, at Bible study at uh-huh. church, um, I, I opened, you know, supposed to all heads bowed, all eyes closed, and I, I, I'll admit I peaked because I knew Hope was going to raise her hand, right? right. She'd been talking about it for two weeks. Right. And she'd already asked you if Jesus would be in the back room to meet her, like, hey, Hope, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> right, it's me, right, Jesus. Right. <laughs> and you're like, no, he's not back there in the back room. And so... So when I looked at her, Pastor Moreland, she whipped her head around fast as lightning and went and stared right at me. Like, is it time? Is it time? And I kind of nodded a little bit like, yeah, this is the time. You're right. And her hand shot up like a bullet. Did you see how fast her hand went up? Yeah. <laughs> and I was shocked when her sister Faith looked at her and then raised her hand. Yeah. Then I saw Granny, your mom, Vera, after a few minutes, like she kind of, your mom jogged. And I've never seen Granny. Like, Granny kind of got up, and she was moving fast. <laughs> and I'm like, where is Granny going? Well, I didn't notice because I was watching my girls walk out. Yeah. Granny was going to get Riley because you didn't see. My son also apparently yeah. had his hand yeah, up. Yeah, I saw that And afterwards. Granny went and got him. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that so sweet? <laughs> that yeah. is. Yeah, and here's the part that shocked me. You have a really great children's, uh, you know, teacher. And she said, um, she got a great curriculum, and she said, Riley knew all the answers when he was asked about, you know, his, his salvation. And it kind of surprised me. Yeah. And she said, well, we've been working on it. But I thought Hope would be the one that'd be like the master student. And they're then, paying attention, man. They're ta- uh, kids are tape recorders. You never know they? how much they're taking in. Oh, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. So I was really happy. And they came home, they got Bibles at church, and they all wanted to videotape. And Hope explained the process of having Jesus in her heart. And Amen. you couldn't wipe the smile off her face. Now, uh-huh. Faith was a little irritated and confused. Those big people kept asking me a lot of questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Faith's a little young to quite understand, you yeah. know accepting Jesus in your heart, you know, and so Faith said, um, but they also appreciated that Shirley and Granny, your mom, and right. they called her Granny. I don't know. She probably right. doesn't appreciate that. Everybody that's calls what, her Granny. Everybody calls yeah, her Granny. just take after the kids. So Vera, um, Pastor Moran's mom, um, and also Shirley, another sweet lady in the church, they'd gone back so my kids didn't feel uncomfortable because they love the older ladies in the church. And so Hope said that made her feel better. Pastor Tracy's a big man, scary man. You know, <laughs> and so like, and I knew if a couple women were back there that she'd yeah. be less intimidated by Pastor Tracy, yeah. even though um, they were all giving him ha- high fives afterwards. Yeah, cool. Isn't that Good exciting? Song. It is exciting. It's exciting. The kids love our, it so much. I think that was either number 19 or 20 people we've seen converted this year. Oh, that's wow. exciting. Oh, I love it. All right. That's so, so cool. All right. So I've got um, a couple of good news stories and then something I want to talk about. So I think since I'm so irritated about what I want to talk about, I'm going to share the good news with you guys first, because this story, I have to tell you, is one of the most touching stories about a vet who comes home, a vet who has PTSD with kids who knows he has problems with anger, who loves his family as 
as the majority of them do. And he looks for a children's book to explain to his little girls, one of the little girls is named Reagan, what PTSD is and how it's not her fault. Because, you know, kids think when they get yelled at or dad gets angry, I mean, the automatic assumption is it's my fault. Yeah. And this is serious business, as you both know, PTSD with vets taking their lives and the anger. So the, the um, soldier's name is Seth, and the one daughter they interview is named Reagan. And he decided since he couldn't find a children's book on PTSD, he would write his own. Take a listen. It's not every night the author of your bedtime story reads it to you. Mom, why is Dad so mad all the time? But this book was written by Reagan's dad after he came back from Iraq and Afghanistan with post-traumatic stress disorder. Dad was different when he came home from overseas. It's like Dad always has a fire in his chest. Did you understand what the book was about? When Daddy had a fire in his heart. And what do you think about that? I don't like how it changes him. You don't get to be who you used to be. Retired Army First Sergeant Seth Castle is one of the 10 to 20 percent of recent veterans who struggles with PTSD, and he struggles to explain it to his girls. I want them to know that they aren't responsible for that. You know. Do you think they feel responsible? I don't know. I hope not. I looked for something to have this conversation with my kids, and it wasn't there. All right. I, I, um, there's a second part of the story, but I think that they do think they're responsible. I think when parents get divorced, they feel like they're responsible. When dad yells at you, I'll tell you something at my house. My husband's under a lot of stress, and when he yells at the kids, mm -hmm. they 100% think they're responsible. Yeah. Well, and then it's always walking on eggshells, too, yes. you know, because you don't know what's going to set dad off. So now there's an understanding on something is going on. So I agree with you, Angie. Um, kids might not say it overtly, but they definitely feel it or I don't want to make dad mad. Yeah. Yeah, that they're being careful. And these are little kids, as you can tell. Yes. But I, I love how she describes it as a fire in his heart rather than something I did or he gets mad at me a lot and, and then she doesn't like it. She's real honest. So they've talked about it. She doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, and I, uh, so I was just going to say, I think it's commendable on his part because not everybody has that insight to say, hey, this is what's going on with me. I do have a diagnosis. It's not me, but it, you know, it's something that I have, but I can definitely work through it once I understand it. And I think that, you know, um, when someone does is diagnosed with PTSD, a lot of people don't get that treatment for it. So the fact that he is open to it and talking about it, that's actually part of his recovery as well. Yeah, and I'd also like to say, just as an Air Force chaplain, um, the Department of Veteran Affairs is doing a much better job now taking care of uh, Marines and sailors and airmen and soldiers uh, and Coast Guardsmen who are coming and women, excuse me, who are coming back uh, with PTSD. So if you have, you know, if you think that there's any sense of PTSD in your world, you really do need to call the Department of Veteran Affairs and set up a time to uh, be seen. It's free to be seen. Uh, there may be a great deal of benefits coming to you uh, if, in fact, you're diagnosed with PTSD. It, there are counselors who will walk you through that from start to finish, help you fill out forms, uh, all at no expense to you. And there's a regional uh, Veterans Administration Center here in Denver, as well as, as the VA hospital, of course, uh, but you need to you need to call someone. And please, and I I know you'll both echo me on this. Please do not be embarrassed or feel you're different or think oh I can just talk to my wife about it or a friend or I can handle this on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, 
I'm going to talk about Dancing with the Stars in a minute, oddly enough, and there is a double amputee um, vet on the show, and he talked about being at home alone and drinking. And my husband, who's not a vet but who's under a lot of stress right now, says, you know what, honey, I understand now when men uh, get up in front of, like, you know, a group and they're accepting some award or something and they say, I just want to thank my wife. He's like, because with this startup the last couple of years, I don't think I could have done it without you because, you know, just talking to you makes me feel better because he's so stressed out. But it's a lot for one person to take take on, and I'm not just talking about a startup, I'm not comparing that in any way to going to war. What I'm saying is, if you need help, get professional help, and let's take the stigma off being able to talk to someone and work through problems, because they can give you really cool coping mechanisms that, oh, have you tried this, or maybe you could try that. I mean, you know me, I'm an amateur therapist, Lisa, and I give my husband all kinds of ideas, but the things that I use to cope, he, he... they don't work for him. Like I read a book or do whatever, and they don't. They don't work for him. Sure. And uh, you'll laugh, uh, Pastor Warren. What I did last night was I put. Uh, I listened to a sermon at night. I really like Charles Stanley, yeah. and he's soothing to me. Yeah. Uh, your sermons get me fired up. You are way <laughs> too worked up for me to go to sleep to one of your sermons. So Charles Stanley, being like around eighty, he's, he puts me to sleep a little bit. But it's a nice message. It really calms me. <laughs> Jorge's laughing, but he. I love. He's calming. Yeah, I, I don't know that he would find that to be a compliment. I was going like, to say. I'm not <laughs> sure that this is. A compliment for Dr. Stanley, and maybe I should be glad I don't fall into this category. But just for the record, Dr. Stanley is an excellent preacher. But I, I understand I, what you're I saying. Lo- his voice lo- is yes, very his voice, and soothing. I feel like he's fatherly. Yeah. And so anyway, yeah. Yeah. so I said to my husband because I put my headphones in because I go to bed early at eight. I said, "Hey, you're pretty stressed. Do you want to listen to him too?" And normally he thinks that that's just not a good way to spend time. Yeah. And he said, "Yes." Hmm. You know, so I, we like held hands when we went to sleep and listened to Charles Stanley on an iPad by our heads. Yeah. You know, because I could tell how stressed out he was and that helps me so mm-hmm. i'm trying to get him to listen to coping uh, you know, to try some of my coping mechanisms for stress well, but again go to someone professional and something else to say here is we often associate ptsd with combat with the military oh. and ptsd can come from almost any traumatic event yes so. abuse yeah. um accidents you know um a medical situation maybe you've gone through a frightening disaster um you know surviving a tornado that you know demolished your town i mean lisa you see people all the time and a lot of them aren't vets with PTSD. Well, and to go with that, there's even secondary PTSD, which that means is you didn't, the the crime didn't happen to you. So it's like our police officers who witness, uh, you know, so it's like the um, first responders to the Aurora shooting, you know, yes. or the first responders to 9-11. So they didn't see it happen, but they're seeing all the catastrophe that aftermath. an event, exactly. That so, makes sense. I never thought about that. The aftermath PTSD. Definitely. Dealing with trauma afterwards or, you know, medics, even in the military, they haven't been hurt, but they're responding to yes. people who've been, you yeah. know, who hit, you know, a roadside <laughs> bomb or something. Okay, let's hear the second part of this. Again, this is Seth. Uh, he's a veteran. He wrote a book about PTSD. So his daughter, as you heard Reagan say, uh, she knows it's not her fault. She knows her dad's uh, her dad loves her and it's explained as when he gets angry it's a fire in his heart and she doesn't like it that's the reason he wrote why is dad so mad raising thousands of dollars online in just one day donations double what he needed to hire an illustrator to bring the book to life for kids like reagan what do you think it's going to mean to other kids whose dads have a fire in their heart um that they know it's not their fault now it's the fire's fault no matter what um I know there's love. I can tell by his voice. Did I get you, Dad? Yes, you did. Here at bedtime. Sometimes life isn't perfect, but we are a family and we will stick together and love each other forever. A storybook ending. What would you want to say to your dad about this book? I like this book. 
I'm really proud you did it. Isn't it the That's sweetest? Awesome. What a great tool for him to give not only to his own child, uh, but other children, you know, whose parents are suffering from PTSD. And also, um, how cool that people supported him. And when he did crowdfunding, that's the cool thing. When you come up with a good idea, how cool to try crowdfunding, you know, to try to raise the money for something like this that's so unique. Yeah, I got a few things I need to crowdfund for. Yeah, I was thinking that. I, know you, <laughs> I have had Pastor Morland's house for dinner, and he tells me somehow something comes to me and goes, I'd like to have a hot dog cart downtown. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what, a preaching hot dog cart? <laughs> no, that didn't just come out of the blue. We were talking about something there, and I was saying, I've seen that before, and it looks cool you know it seems like it'd be a cool thing to do with the a summer, hot dog you know? and a prayer yeah i love i love interacting with people you know to some degree and, and i love hot dogs hey it might be a cool yeah. outreach for your church though i mean yeah. i've heard of crazier things but wouldn't that be cool to have like a dc hot dog truck hot dog and a prayer you got a little yeah. grill and got your brats going <laughs> and some onions and, and if it's a new york hot dog you don't even have to clean the water Oh, it's the dirty water dog. Oh, oh no. those are so really? good. Come on. Oh, My New York man. people out there, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, I was at Home Depot. I love street food, by the way. They have a guy that does the hot dog. I so said, My husband, I swear he he comes up with the idea to go to Home Depot just to get two by fours to get a hot dog. Yeah. You know, you don't need, I'm like, what do you need? Super glue? I mean, I'm, I can put that in the grocery list. Oh, no, no. I got to go over to Home Depot. I'm like, oh, mm, mm. there's great hot dogs around town. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you cracked me up. <laughs> Hot dog and a prayer. That's what I'm calling it. There you go. There you All right. Go. I, I, I have something I saw on TV I really want to talk with you guys about. I'm really fired up about it, but I'm going to wait till next segment because I have one more story. I just think when you take painful situations or difficult situations and you come up with um, – I don't know. You come up with something beautiful out of it. This is called Veteran Safe Passage. I just happened to pick, because you are an Air Force chaplain, Pastor Morland, a, a couple of cool vet stories. But this one has to do with, um, it started off as an organization, I believe it was No um, Soldier Left Behind. And then um, they came up with this idea to like, hey, we've got school loans. And all of a sudden they're coming due. And some of these vets come back and they don't have jobs yet. They've got like loans for this and that. So came up um, with an idea to like do some volunteer hours and maybe pay, we pay off your loan. And then one of the vets said, hey, in Chicago, I see more kids dying than are dying overseas fighting for our country. These kids are getting gunned down walking to school. So they came up with something called Veterans Safe Passage in Chicago. And you can go to this webpage, I did, and it shows you different routes in different schools and which way you can go for the vets to keep an eye on you. Wow. And there was one particular That's corner awesome. where they had a ton of problems. And on that corner, once the vets started going to that this MLK corner in Chicago, where a lot of um, different gang members would coincide, the, the, the problems just evaporated because the vets are there and they get to know the kids too so there's quite a bit to this story but i really think it's worth sharing i kind of give you a synopsis but let's hear from some of the people that uh, the vets that took this off the ground floor and made something uh, great happen out of you know their return from the war and the training they received why waste this great training they have here we go try to eliminate the violence veterans come from an environment in which every day they understand what their purpose is they understand that what they do matters to the person to the left and to the right. 12, 23, do you copy? They understand that there's this overarching goal. When they come out of the military, there's this moment in which they say, well, what's my new purpose? So our ability to come back as veterans and be useful to people, other than ourselves. We do show that there are people out here that is watching to make sure these kids get there safe. Now, we may not stop any crimes from happening, but we're going to stop some crimes from developing. Somebody's going to think twice because we're there. How y'all doing? And because of that, there's going to be a child that gets home safe that day. When we first started 
thinking about Leave November Behind, it didn't start off as this very philanthropic idea. Okay, just how cool to take these love trained it, vets. Love and they, it, love it, love it. And Pastor Moreland, they come home, and sometimes, like, here they're, like, a proud veteran, man or woman. They've got all this training, and all of a sudden, like, they can't get a job at King Supers. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Love Isn't it, that love great? It. Yep. And I love it that they're taking, like, their skills and their value and saying, hey, if we can't figure out something to do, we'll create something that gives back. I wish the city would pick that up and, like, commission them somehow as some type of special security force or something. God knows, you know, based on the news reports that we see, Chicago could use something like that. Mm -hmm. If you if you can get somebody dedicated to getting kids to and from school safe, I think it's sad that it has to exist. But if we've got folks who are willing to do it and yeah. have the training to do it, and, man— I'd love it. But it definitely gives them a purpose, too. You know, when you, when you are in the military, you go and you serve your country. And then when you come back, what does happen? Your role kind of, you know, definitely changes. Yeah. So you're trying to figure out who you are again, redefining Absolutely. yourself. So it does, def you know, give them a purpose. And for uh, for for men especially, they the pride in what they do. And don't get me wrong. I'm not being sexist here. But men have such a pride in what they do as far as their title and their career. Yeah. And if they feel that they come back and they're not doing anything or contributing sure. to society, it can really give them a real bash and the self-esteem, a real blow. Yeah. And uh, and then that's where we see some of these vets going, turn into drinking and other things Definitely. to cope with their depression. Yeah. Absolutely. And this helps with PTSD, too, giving yeah. back, you know. Yeah. I think Chris Kyle, I mean, I don't know if people know a lot about him, but he did that when he came back. That was his purpose. He enjoyed helping people, you know, after he gave himself to our country, you know. So I, I think that's commendable. Yeah. Well, there's more to this story. So we'll continue to hear about how the idea came about uh, to start this safe passage out of no soldier left behind and paying off school loans and volunteering. I had joined the active duty after completing my college education and I had all these student loans. I get back from Iraq in 2004. I get a call that my loans had come out of deferment and that I owed about $2,200 in 20 days. My co-founder, Roy Sarton, very similar situation. Our goal was to go write a letter to Oprah saying, look, Oprah, we're two guys from the city of Chicago. We went to war. We've got these student loans. And can you pay off these student loans? And if you remember in 2005, it's when Oprah was buying cars for the studio audience. So we had told some other veterans and some other military folks this idea, and all these veterans who said, hey, if Oprah helps you out, can you make sure that she helps me as well? We realized it was a bigger problem uh, than us. What if we were to raise dollars, apply those dollars directly to the veteran student loan account, and then require the veteran to give back 100 to 400 hours of community service once that debt is made? Wow. Isn't that cool? So they're volunteering these hours. Right. And I agree with Pastor Moreland. This could be turned into something where there could be like real careers and they're trained even sure. more, you know, in terms of how to, you know, help these kids get to school. And I mean, these kids are dying just trying to get to elementary school. It's yeah. not fair. It's not right. So I think this is just genius. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Did Oprah pay off their loan? I'm oh, curious. You know that part? <laughs> No, but you know the cool thing about you know I'm on um, 810 KLVZ if you're listening to us on that station which if KLTT that's our sister station and if you're in another city you can listen to it too it's called Daybreak USA so because I have four hours on that show what I've been doing is all these great stories I go after them we find them so um, you know that janitor that I really liked that yeah. had been mentoring kids down in Texas yeah. and he became like uh, his therapy sessions became more prolific than the counselor at school she'd send kids to him 
I found him and he's been doing some regular segments. And so when I see a really neat story on like NBC News or ABC News, we track them down and find him. And it's really fun to get them. And they're so flattered that we would think their story is great. But when you find an exceptional teacher or a janitor who counsels kids, I mean, he gets so many Father's Day cards. Are you kidding me? He's a, yeah. he's a real life hero. Absolutely. He said to me, by the way, he told me, he goes, I got a lot of words on the wall, but the best are awards are when the kids say that I love I love you and I you're like a father figure to me. Wow. You know? Yeah, that's some cool stuff. All right, there's more on this uh, veteran safe passage I want to share with you. And then also uh, something I saw on TV that as a woman and a mom of girls, I just have to tell Pastor Merle, I know you're kind of like under a rock when it comes to like what's going on right, in <laughs> pop culture, but I think as a dad, you might want to know about this and why I'm so upset. We will be right back awesome. with the good news. We have Pastor John Moreland, Denver Christian Bible Church, and Therapist Lisa. They're here every Tuesday. We'll be right back. This is the place where love lives. 810 KLVZ. Monica Hawkins Ministries is an evangelical ministry whose focus is to serve others and to be a voice that shares the word of God and his love. We would like for you and your family to come and fellowship with us during our bi-weekly Bible study. And on the first Saturday of every month, we have our women's ministry, Women of Strength. Our Bible studies are located at the Highlands Ranch East Ridge Recreation Center. For more information, please visit our website, Monica Hawkins Ministries, Org. Well, if you want to attain your dreams and you want to reach your goals, Carrie Conley is the woman to do it. And we just had a great seminar. Boy, that was fun. And we learned so much. We It was a life changer, was it not? It changed my life last year and once again this year. Very inspirational. It's such a reward for me, Angie, when I see people, not only when I work with them one-on-one or in my small mastermind groups, but when you've got 200 people in a room and you can see them, I can see all their faces when I say something or somebody else says something where you can just know that that hit them to the core and they made a huge shift in their life and that's what it's all about. Well, you've really guided me in my career achieving some of the goals that you know I had in mind over the last year. You helped me write it all down. If people want to work with you in the future, how do they get in touch with you and how do they work with you on achieving their goals, Carrie? Right. So the best way to reach me is just through my website, infinitenation.com. And what I do is run mastermind groups that I bring people into for the year and help them achieve their goals, build their business. Infinitenation.com. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. This is a good place. I really like it. This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Break and sorting the different Brick Break stuff also. Then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows. They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go. The right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around them. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Yeah, overall I'm very happy and thankful, like I said, about ARC. Celebrating God and His Word in America. Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 says, 
Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. That's Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 from the New International Version of the Bible. Let God's Word come alive in your life today. God's Love Lives, 810 KLVZ. Welcome back to The Good News. We are discussing with therapist Lisa Dunning and also Pastor John Moreland, uh, the uh, veteran safe passage program and then we're going to get into something that about pop culture that fires me up about women big time i just feel like goodness gracious aren't we in 2015 are we still going to treat women this way but we'll get to that next so uh, in the good news department veteran safe passage i just wanted to continue to share this with you so again they're veterans that returned home and they have created this uh, you can just google it in chicago routes from to and from schools to keep kids safe and they did it initially as volunteer hours and then they would pay off the, the loans of the soldiers soldiers of the vets. Who's and, they? Um, I, I think it's um, No Soldier Left Behind came up with Veterans Safe Passage. And what they're doing is the organization uh, now said, they, one, one of the guys said, hey, I really like the idea of this, getting kids to school safely. So they came up with uh, Veterans Safe Passage out of No Soldier Left Behind. Gotcha. And they pay off the school loans of the, of the vet, and then they have to volunteer these hours. And so it this might is be like a nonprofit? Yes. Like, so it gets funded from outside sources? Yes, that's okay. my understanding. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so let's listen to part three, and they're kind of explaining, you know, how they came up with this idea and how it's benefiting the Chicago kids because too many kids are being killed in Chicago walking to school. The Safe Passage program initially started from us paying off one of our veterans. So the veteran, Haki Gherkin, he had an economic hardship where his mother's cancer came out of remit. We raised enough money, paid off his student loan debt, and then we went to Haki and said, Haki, what do you want your service project to be? Haki, Chicago police officer, at the time says, I'm tired of seeing more kids dying on the streets of Chicago than we're losing veterans in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is in 2010. We went to Chicago Public Schools and said, look, we want to do something around youth violence. Chicago Public Schools came back and said, we've got a corner. 35th and Martin Luther King Drive, convergence point between five high schools, multiple gang affiliation. And on half a days, we're having all of these big violent incidents. Can you do something about it? So we went out with about 20 veterans and started providing safe passage, positive adult engagement. And on those days, we didn't have a single incident. Isn't that wild? It is. I just think this is miraculous. I mean, so are they doing this in other cities as not well? Not yet, but I guess my point is, I think this would be a beautiful thing to have in other cities. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to be in, in contact cities. with them and see if we can do something here. Well, I am, I, I am trying to get uh, some interviews with them, and so once I get in touch with their people, I'll definitely connect Please. you because I think it's genius. Yeah. You know. Okay. Here's uh, the last part of again. We're talking about veteran safe passage. Looking for a job filling out job applications, going off to interviews, just really trying to find a better way to advance my career. Cedric is an interesting case. You know, not only is he going to go to school, but Cedric came to us without some housing. He came to us without employment. And so those are the veterans that we really look at to give opportunities and also we help them get to them from school. But also while they're walking past us, you know, you gotta build some kind of relationship with them. You know, you say hi to them every day. How's it going? Eventually they're gonna say a little bit more than just hi. He has an education in psychology. He's motivated to come back to his community and actually solve some very specific issues. Doing all right? Anybody? 
So many of these youth are dealing not only with uh, the issues of being underinvested, but they're also, some of these youth are dealing with post-traumatic stress themselves because of the violence. I want to continue on my education, but my main focus is to help out troubled kids feel like the things can't change, and I just want to be a part of it. I just think it's beautiful. It's awesome. Well, you know, and what they're doing is giving those kids hope. You know, they're like mentors to them. So they're saying hi to them. And these kids, you know, they're treating them like humans where possibly a lot of times in the neighborhood, people don't even want to look at them or they're scared of them. Or, you know, these are the kids that are, you know, beating up other kids. So instead, they're they're valuing them. And I think that's pretty huge for those kids, too. Yeah. Good stuff, man. This is good. Yeah, isn't it great? Absolutely. That's, that's the cool thing I think about what I get to do is I find things like that that I find so inspirational. We play them, then we track them down, then we do interviews, we make them feel so good. There was a kid recently, his name is Marquise. He grew up in foster care, and I got more of his story, and it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. First, his aunt was going to adopt him because his dad and mom had drug issues and prison issues and blah, blah, blah. So aunt was going to adopt him. She died. She got sick. Then a foster family, that foster was going to adopt him. She died. He goes, Angie, I was 10 years old and I was angry. So then he gets another foster mom and he's just like, well, she's going to die. Hmm. You know, nobody's there for me. Well, he's, then he ends up being a bad kid. So anyway, his mom, then uh, he does get adopted. And he says to me, Pastor Moreland, she loved me so much that I owed it to her to stop being a bad kid. So in when he's getting ready to go into law school, because he's been accepted to Harvard wow. and Stanford and Yale, wow. he has to sit in court and see other kids in the, uh, in the system. And so Marquise said, Angie, when I was sitting in court, I'd never shared my story. Because, you know, a lot of times I know what that's like. I was embarrassed by my story when I was younger, how my background was and the drugs and the alcohol and the, the poverty. Right. And so you don't share it because you want to distance yourself from it because you're so smart. Like Marquise, he's going to law school at Harvard. He's been accepted. He's not, he doesn't want people to know where he came from because he wants to distance himself from it. Yeah. And he said, when I saw these kids, he said he started mentoring a kid. He said, by the way, that kid's in college now. And I thought to myself, if I can have a a, a, an impact on this one kid then I could have an impact on a lot of kids and he went through some stats about over 60% of kids who age out of foster care the trouble they get into and you know and the lack of hope and homes and support that they have so he started foster skills and he put off law school he said Angie I'm still gonna go to law school but he put off on um, the law school and he started foster skills and full-time what he does now is help foster kids and so to talk to this kid like I, it was such a privilege to me. Like, what an honor to talk to a kid like this that's still in his 20s. You know, you can tell him about Ready to Cry. Like, I said, as a mom, the fact that you turned your whole life around because she loved you so much, you owed it to her to be a good kid, and you were that smart that now you're accepted to Harvard, but you want to help other kids in foster care? Come on. Yeah. What an honor to do stories like that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so. I can't wait. To, he's going to be a regular. And then I ask him back and say, like, can you do more stories about some of the foster kids that you come across who have success stories like yours? Yeah. All right, so what's making me mad, I want to talk about pop culture really quick, and this is something odd to talk to you two about, but I think it does have an, uh, a psychological aspect to it, and I also think that sometimes um, Pastor Moreland um, lives under a rock when it comes to like what's going on in pop culture, as he should. Okay, but he has three teenage girls. You're laughing, but it's true. Yeah, I don't know if I should. I, I probably need to be, and I'm not under a rock. <laughs> You're next but, to the rock yeah. that shades you. It's a big rock that shades yeah, you. I, I just... I get so frustrated with some of the stuff that I see. But anyway, go ahead. 
I'm okay, sorry. so Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Um, you're, and if you're you're a Christian listening right now, you're probably like, well, why are you watching Dancing with the Stars with your kids? Well, first of all, my kids are very athletic, and I think that it's beautiful the way that dance interprets your mood and your this and your that. And as far as the costumes go, which I think are a little too racy, I tell the kids, you know how you wear a swimsuit for swim team? Well, these are costumes. These aren't clothes that you would normally wear. Okay, so you, maybe you're like, oh, well, that's a slippery slope, Angie. So I admit it's not a great Christian family show in terms of that, right? But I think that the dance and the athleticism and the accomplishments physically that they can attain with dedication is really cool. So with that said, they had this girl, she's a, a model, her name's Charlotte, and she was um, one of the contenders for the first couple of weeks. And their, her introduction package, her name is Charlotte McKinney, so I'm watching with Grand Grand, and the kids like it too. So Grand Grand and I are watching, and Charlotte's claim to fame is that during the Super Bowl, there was a um, burger commercial where it appeared that she was not wearing anything and that she's very uh, busty. Uh, that's how I, I think I'll yes. describe her, very busty. And so that was the whole joke of the commercial. Well, she's on Dancing with the Stars now, and she's a model and an actor. She's 21 years old and apparently had been bullied in high school because she was so busty. Mm. So the whole introduction package that Dancing with the Stars does on her is a spoof on how she's top-heavy. She won't be able to dance. You know, her costumes won't fit. How she And then she's like... Even in the video, they're jokingly holding up things in front of her bust, like, oh, we have melons for breakfast if you want these. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Could they give this girl a break and just let her be, like, a, a, a young woman who's on the show to dance? But I'm not kidding you. There were no less than eight innuendos in, like, a one-minute package. And then they had her instructor, a man, um, tape her with duct tape um, around the, the chest, telling her that uh, she would be uh, able to dance if he taped her. So he took duct tape and wrapped it around her body. And I'm thinking, if this was my daughter, I'd be appalled that that is the, I would not, I, I would, if she's 21, I would just let her know, look, this is not what you just, just want to be known for. Mm -hmm. So after they do all this and she dances, then the next week, Dancing with the Stars shows her near tears, reading social media. She's being bullied on social media, that she's stupid and then comments about her figure. And she said, you know, when I was 17, I had to leave school because uh, of my body. And my mom, Grand Grand's like, we, we were both shocked that that's all they focused on and grand grand said well i think she might have purchased those and i said grand grand here's the deal she, this girl was bullied at 17 and then dancing with the stars is exploiting her yet again and they put this 21 year old uh, that to me still seemed very innocent girl on the show and that's all they talked about was her bust and then the judge bruto tone leone or whatever his name is when she's being um critiqued says you are not going to win a nobel's Pro prize for quantum physics physics let's be honest you are easy on the eyes what i mean he just told her she was stupid on camera after they said that she was just like a bust and so he got booed for that, and she said it was not fair. She spoke out about it that that was not right. That that she's here's you. Um, she's never never going to win a Nobel Prize for quantum physics, but you are easy on the eyes. <clears throat> and then everybody booed him. And I just think in this day and age, really. And uh, granted, again, this isn't like amazing programming that's known for its you know brains and intellectual you know like uh content but i'm watching it with my kids uh and uh, yeah it didn't make me feel like that's a great way for women to be treated on tv 
So where do you want me to begin? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, it's okay. First of all, it's pop culture, and I'm not saying that this is like amazing Christian programming, but it's something that's very popular that a lot of kids are growing up watching. Oh, I don't have a problem with people watching Dancing with the Stars. I, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who you know thinks that lives you, under a rock. Yeah, that all you watch is the Hallmark Channel. I mean, I, I, I understand that we live in you know a world, and you've got three teenage yeah, daughters. Yeah, um, I think that's, I think that is despicable you know, for him to say. Uh, I, I haven't seen any of these clips, so I'm curious to know what her response was uh, to how he was dealing with her. Well, first of all, in the package that introduced her, she did the package with him. So she went along with the producer. She's getting paid. She's a model. That's how they wanted to show her. It's just, here's a busty girl. Oh, wait, she's busty. Yeah. She's busty. She's busty. That's yeah. it. And then the next week, though, she's she's upset. She's crying. She said it was a really hard week. She went on social media to see what people had to say about her dancing. And they said horrible things about her. Yeah. I think it speaks to, though, the value system of our culture uh, and how pervasive um, you know, we've allowed some of these unacceptable attitudes and, and comments, and we've come to just accept things like this as normal. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter if it's daytime TV, nighttime TV, family programming, you know, ABC at six in the evening, it doesn't matter. We've come to accept some of these things as normal. And the truth is, it, this, this is, this to me goes past just a problem with this judge because he may not have said that if he weren't made to feel like it was okay in the yeah. culture that we live in. Right, and in the um, culture of the show, and yeah. in the culture we it's live in, I agree. It's not okay. Well, and nothing it's happened not okay. to him. Yeah. You know, how many times do people say something, reporters or whatnot, and they say something inappropriate and they get reprimanded, yeah. you know, so. It's not okay. This well, one. He'll probably he get didn't. another job as a result of it. I'm he'll sure. He'll get hired oh, for he something. Oh, he didn't get fired. No, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. No, yeah. he's not I mean, they got, at all. No, yeah. they got, he got booed. I think, you know, I saw that episode. Um, to answer your question, Pastor Moreland, I think when he said that, she was just more stunned. You know, when when someone hits below the belt, so to speak, and you're, you, you're not expecting that, I think she reacted just almost yeah. in, in shock. Yeah. She said that you get yeah. so used to being bullied like that, too, you just shake it off, and that, you know, she had to leave high school because of that kind of bullying. But I just thought it was just ridiculous that they exploited her on Dancing with the Stars right. and showing her as just a busty girl. And then when she got cyberbullied, they were like, oh, well, let's focus on that this week after we put her out there to be cyberbullied in such a negative way. Yeah. Now we're going to focus on how mean these cyberbully people are after we exploited her. Yeah. yeah. Well, my girlfriend, who's an... Um, she is a an anchor in Los Angeles. She did an event with Judge Judy, and she posted something. And Judge Judy said that one of the biggest mistakes she thinks that women make uh, in their careers is they worry too much about being liked in the workplace or liked in general, and not uh, they and they don't worry about being respected. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting statement from Judge Judy because you know as women in the workplace, I was I think a people pleaser, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you're, you're I'm I'm such a people pleaser, so it's uh, so I understand. Yes, and I was afraid to speak my mind right. like the anchor man did because then they would call me that icky word, you know, that they call right. strong women. But then he was just like a he was a strong man. But then if I would say the same thing in one of the meetings, seriously, still in this day and age, I I would get flack for it. And I've even been treated differently by colleagues, I believe, as a woman that I would uh, than I would as a man. And Pastor Moran, these are important topics because you've got these three girls. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's appalling. It's unacceptable to me. Um, I don't know. I guess I believe in just the worth of people 
You know, right. every person mm-hmm. has inherent worth, inherent value. You know, human beings were created in the image of, of God himself. And so um, I, I, I tell our congregation this, you know, I, I have a real problem with seeing people mistreated. And one of the quickest ways to really take me there is to mistreat people who can't defend themselves mm-hmm. or who won't defend themselves for whatever reason. Right, you know, right. I really take that personal. Yeah. I'd like to meet him on some grass and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not saying talk about with his no. fists. Yeah. Well, and it on makes well. sense. One of Pastor Moreland's um, funny uh, things that he goes, it's not funny, but it, it makes me laugh because he'll say, like, you know, as Christians or in his church, he's like, when people tell him they're not people, uh, people, he's like, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be a people person. It's all about loving other people. So if you're like, well, you know, I really don't like the greeting part of church, or I'm not really a people person. I just like to sit in the back and not really socialize with people. I'm not a people person. And you say, well, then we have no business as Christians like claiming to be Christians and coming to church if we're not people people that's what it's about isn't it the two commandments of the new testament you know on these commandments all the others hang love the lord your god and love your neighbors yourself that's it love god love people you can't you can't claim to be a simple, Christian without those things. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot simpler than we think it is. So, Lisa, I think it's interesting too because you're the boss yes. um, at Life Support Behavioral Institute, Lisa Dunning, and so uh, it's interesting to me that you smiled when I said you're a people I, pleaser at work because I was in the newsroom. Well, and and everyone knows at my office when my husband comes in, he does the firing because Lisa does not do the firing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes, but I've gotten better. So they, they all cringe, poor Brad. But but on that note, yes, I am a people pleaser, and I think a lot of women are. I think it's also important to be able to stand up for yourself. And I think there's a difference between pleasing people and also you know, taking a stance for who you are, not being bullied and pushed around. So even going back to this Dancing with the Stars, it's up to her to stand up for herself too, you know, that it's not okay to talk to me that way. Well, I think it's, it's kind of interesting for me because now that I'm not in a newsroom environment and I pick all my interviews for this show and my other show, and Jorge obviously is a dude, Moose obviously a dude, my other producer Steve a dude, and then my boss Mike a dude. So it's just funny that now here, I, in a way, I'm kind of the boss, you know, because they're my producers. And so even though Jorge would never admit that I'm in any way, shape, or form, you know, he would be like, no, Angie, I am your boss. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like to let him think he is, too. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's just interesting. <laughs> it's time to go to break, he said. All right, Pastor Moreland, how do people find you if they want to go to Denver Christian Bible Church? Denverbible.org or 303-223-6133. Therapist Lisa, how do people reach you? Life Support Behavioral Institute, 888 you guys have been coming here for three years. You still having fun? You still like it? Awesome. Is it? It's always oh, fun. I have fun most of the time. <laughs> when you're not doing bad impersonations of me. Of you, yeah. Oh, I got a good one coming for next week. We'll be right back with the good news. Hear about our victory in Jesus Christ. You are listening to 810 AM KLVZ. God's love lives. Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just... I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. 
One, we want to make genuine connections with people. And two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning. And I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. This is a good place. I really like it. This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Brick and sorting the different Brick Brick stuff. Also, then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows. They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go. The right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts on there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around that. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Yeah, overall I'm very happy and thankful, like I said, about ARC. Monica Hawkins Ministries is an evangelical ministry whose focus is to serve others and to be a voice that shares the word of God and his love. We would like for you and your family to come and fellowship with us during our bi-weekly Bible study. And on the first Saturday of every month, we have our women's ministry, Women of Strength. Our Bible studies are located at the Highlands Ranch East Ridge Recreation Center. For more information, please visit our website, Monica Hawkins Ministries, When you think of your potential, don't limit yourself to thinking of ways in which you might expand your personal resume to include more and greater accomplishments. Think in terms of spiritual depth. God has planned unlimited growth for you in your inner person. He has boundless love for you and therefore a fullness of relationship with Him that only a few will experience. Not because God desires to limit His availability, presence, or power to only a few, but because only a few will commit themselves to knowing God in more spiritually intimate ways. Taken from God's Way Day by Day by Charles Stanley. the word and music that expresses his love for us. The new 810, Love Lives, KLVZ. Welcome back. Well, Regina Brett is known for her books and her column, and she is so uplifting, and I love this topic. Her new book is God is Always Hiring, 50 Lessons for Finding Fulfilling Work. And Regina, I have to say, the key word there, I think, is fulfilling. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. I think you're right, too, about the word fulfilling. So many people have jobs that they they seem to drain them and not fill them back up. Well, and of course, the key word for many of us is God. So how do we kind of find that passion for our work, work that is fulfilling, that maybe we're led to? You know, I think that our life is kind of showing us that path, except many of us just... Um, we kind of ignore the signs, you know, when you, if you're bumping into too many walls, if you really hate what you do, you have to stop and say, okay, this isn't an endurance test. This should be something I love. So can I make the job I have the job I love, or is it time to do something different? And I think you have to kind of give yourself that little turning point to say, is there still some goal to mine here, or 
am I supposed to be doing something else? And, and for me, I always go to prayer and ask for clarity and guidance. I keep a journal. I kind of write to God. And, and I see what's the pattern. If you have too many days that you're unhappy, you got to make a change. Well, and I think, too, many of us feel like we have a calling, but we also have to have, like, a gift or a talent for that. I may be called to go on to The Voice or American Idol, but I don't have that gift. So I, I, is a calling kind of like when our talents and our passion meet, um, you know, are up with our gifts and then become something we feel led to do? How do we figure all that out? Because I feel like a lot of people sit in the easy chair of life waiting for, like, a text from God about what to do. And it's like, <laughs> no, you have to actually get out there and, like, um, sail your ship a little. Like, get out into the water and try a few things. That's funny, the easy chair of life. That's a good analogy. You know, I really believe that we all have a mission in life. And it doesn't mean we're all going to be on American Idol or we're all going to be on the Today Show. Your mission in life could be taking care of your son who has autism and love him in a way that no one else can love him that way. That could be your mission in life. That one thing is what you're chosen for. I don't know. But somewhere inside you, you know that. You know your place. The best definition I ever heard of a calling was by theologian Frederick Beekner, and he said, the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, that's where you want to be. That's the sweet spot. So you do what you love to do, but you find where the world needs it done. Ah. And that way, it isn't just for you, it's for others. Okay, let's talk, Regina, about In God is Always Hiring 50 Lessons for Finding Fulfilling Work. What are some of your favorite of the 50 lessons? One of my favorites is every job, is as magical as you make it. We've all had jobs where you can say, there is no magic in this job. But in the rearview mirror of life, you can look back and say, it really was magical. You know, if you ever ask people, what's the worst job you ever had? I usually win. I worked at a funeral home and I picked up dead bodies. And I had to bring them back and take their clothes off and clean them up and help get them ready to be involved. It was not a pleasant job. I ended up working calling hours, washing hearses. You do a little bit of everything in a funeral home. But that job was magical because I got to really be with people in their worst and see the best in them. I learned how to talk to people when they were grieving. I learned how to have compassion. So then when I became a reporter, you know, many years later, I had skills that I could never have learned in journalism school, but I learned at the funeral home. Yeah, that compassion. All right, we have time for another couple of lessons of your favorite out of the 50 Bearing your talents won't make them grow. You know, a lot of us go, wow, I really am good at this, but, you know, I have a, there was a man who used to uh, cut our lawn, and he's a great painter. He did nothing with his painting. I mean, beautiful oil paintings, and he made his career as a landscaper. And finally, he had a stroke in his 50s and said, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it, and he started painting. Because Aww. that's what his gift was deep down inside, beautiful paintings. And not, again, we're not all artists, but even the job you have as a waitress, a secretary, a teacher, a nurse, it can be as magical as you make it. What's your personal talent you bring to it that you've been hiding? There's a nurse in the area who is called the nurse whisperer because she would like talk to patients in the kindest, softest voice. You have your unique way to make your job magical. Yeah, I love that burying your talents won't help them grow. <laughs> All right, I want to make sure. It's, it's so true, I know. It might help with the tomatoes, but not your gift for singing or painting. Right, not your, not your gift. <laughs> All right, Regina Brett, uh, God is always hiring 50 lessons uh, for finding fulfilling work. How do we find you? You can find me at my website, reginabrett.com, and I hope you join me on Facebook and Twitter and all that. And I hope you leave the website knowing that there is one perfect place for you and you alone. There's no competition. It's designed just with your name on it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Regina. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.